Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so that you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. I'm your host, Patrick Beeman. This is the first episode of the Inside the Boards podcast. Welcome. Thanks for listening. I wanted to take time to just give you an introduction to our platform, Inside the Boards, which you can check out at InsideTheBoards.com, but more specifically to talk to you today about what we're going to be doing with this podcast. So first, Inside the Boards. Inside the Boards is the only platform that focuses on teaching medical students and others the how of taking a standardized board licensing or other exam. There are a number of excellent resources out there, all of which focus on the content or teaching you what you need to know. We are different. We want to focus on teaching you the principles the test writers themselves use to write questions so that you can apply them to your study, reduce your anxiety, increase your confidence, and importantly, increase your scores on the USMLE, shelf exams, Comlex, and any other test you'll take throughout your journey as a physician. This episode today is brought to you by our partners from the Third Year Study Smarter Bundle. Head over to InsideTheBoards.com to check it out. We've partnered with a number of excellent high-yield resources, including Picmonic, Exam Guru, ComQuest, and MedSchool Coach, to offer you a significantly discounted bundle of products to help you succeed during your third year on the shelf exams and on the wards. Picmonic is probably the funnest approach to studying I've ever encountered. Audiovisual mnemonics that basically take the content you need to know and present it in a way that sticks in the memory. ComQuest is one of the leading osteopathic question banks. The third year study package is going to include access to the shelf exam or COMAT NBOME shelf exam practice QBank from ComQuest for our DO students, or access to Exam Guru, the only question bank devoted specifically to NBME shelf exams. Exam Guru is a new product, but it's an excellent one. I know, and full disclosure, I helped develop it, but I think Exam Guru has the best explanatory content related to shelf exams on the market. A lot of people will use step two level question banks for their shelf exam study. And while this does have a place, the shelf exams are a little bit different. Shelf exams, because their content is focused only on one of the core disciplines in medicine, tend to have questions that are a little bit more detailed than what you would need to know for step two. I believe using Exam Guru or the DO counterpart ComQuest is the best thing you can do to increase your shelf exam score through practice questions. And finally, MedSchoolCoach. MedSchoolCoach.com is the leader in helping pre-meds get into medical school. And now they've assembled an all-star team of tutors who have a reputation for excellence in teaching, a passion for helping students succeed, and proven success on exams to launch a virtual tutoring service. So I encourage you to check out InsideTheBoards.com to look at the Third Year Study Smarter Bundle. And definitely check out Picmonic, ExamGuru, ComQuest, and MedSchoolCoach.com. 
First, our question of the day. This comes from the NBME sample items for 2016. A 22-year-old Prima Gravid woman at 34 weeks gestation is brought to the emergency department by ambulance after being found unconscious by her husband. Paramedics report that she was having tonic-clonic movements that have now stopped. Her last visit to the physician was two weeks ago. Pregnancy had been uncomplicated. On arrival, she is awake, lethargic, and mildly confused. She says that she has had a headache and did not feel well earlier in that day. She has no history of serious illness. Her only medication is a prenatal vitamin. Her temperature is 37 degrees Celsius. Pulse is 80 beats per minute. Respirations are 18 per minute. And blood pressure is 170 over 110 millimeters of mercury. Examination shows a non-tender. Soft uterus consistent in size with a 34-week gestation. Cranial nerves are intact. Motor function is normal. Deep tendon reflexes are 3 plus. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A. Absent seizures. B. Cerebral infarction. C. Eclampsia. D. Migraine. E. Theochromocytoma. You might want to pause the podcast for a second while you think about that. The answer is, of course, C, eclampsia. So how do you want to approach this question? Well, the first thing you should do with any question is ensure that you have an answer in mind prior to actually looking at the choices. When you extract the necessary and essential info from the stem or the vignette in this question, well, number one, you've got a pregnant woman at 34 weeks gestational age who's had tonic-clonic movements, in other words, a seizure, and her blood pressure is 170 over 110. In pregnancy, of course, any elevation over 140 systolic or 90 diastolic is considered hypertensive. And you note the question is asking you for the most likely diagnosis. If there's only one thing you learn on your OB clerkship, it should be this. If a pregnant woman comes in with a seizure of new onset, no history of epilepsy, she has eclampsia until proven otherwise. Eclampsia can very easily be thought of as preeclampsia with seizures. Some important facts to know um, that they tell you about even in this stem are some of the risk factors for eclampsia. Number one, patient is a primogravid. First pregnancy has a tendency to have a greater likelihood of hypertensive diseases of pregnancy, of which eclampsia is one of them. Next, she has some symptoms often associated with preeclampsia or eclampsia. The three essential symptoms you should keep in mind are headache, and visual changes and abdominal pain, which are not mentioned here. Her blood pressure is elevated into a severe range. The severe elevation in blood pressure during pregnancy, 160 or above systolic, 110 or above diastolic. Another clue is that in her physical exam, her deep tendon reflexes are increased to 3 plus. 2 plus is normal, 1 plus is decreased because the thought is there's neurologic hyperactivity within preeclampsia, eclampsia. Patients have a tendency to be more hyperreflexic, a similar sign indicative of this hyperreactive neurologic system would be clonus. So looking at this question, you've got a new onset tonic-clonic seizure in a pregnant woman with elevated blood pressure. The diagnosis is eclampsia. So let's just take a look at a few of the distractors. 
absent seizures are are listed as A. So an absent seizure is easily ruled out as an answer because paramedics report that she was having tonic-clonic movements. Absent seizures, by definition, are without motor involvement. Next, B, cerebral infarction. You rule this out by noting that her motor function is normal and that her cranial nerves are intact. A cerebral infarction would be expected to have localizing neurologic signs. D is migraine. And while the patient did mention having a headache earlier in the day, you have to look at the other features here that exclude migraine as a diagnosis and make an alternate more likely. Notably, the elevation in blood pressure, the history of recent seizure, and no history of prior headache syndrome. E, pheochromocytoma. The classic picture is periodic elevations in blood pressure, and it's useful to remember that although the classic triad of symptoms in patients with pheochromocytoma consists of episodic headache, sweating, and tachycardia, most patients do not have all three of these classic symptoms. So the question of the day is one of the things that we're going to do with all our podcast episodes, and we will even devote certain episodes exclusively to discussing questions so that you can use this podcast to your benefit in studying for your clerkships or your USMLE Step 2 or Step 1, or even your coursework. So what is the Inside the Boards podcast? Well, before I get to that, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I was a philosophy major. I didn't decide until I was a senior in college that I wanted to become a doctor. Therefore, once I finished my bachelor's degree, I had to go back and do like a Um, a post-baccalaureate, and I took the required bare minimum requirements, that is, for medical school, and managed to get in. I attended the University of Toledo College of Medicine and had a wake-up call, frankly, during biochemistry, our first course during medical school. This stuff was so much different than anything I had ever done in college as a philosophy major, and just barely passed a lot of the courses I took in first year. I had never been a particularly strong standardized test taker, but nor a particularly weak one. But I did know that I was studying an excessive amount of time, devoting all my waking hours to study, and I wasn't getting the scores I thought should be reflected by my hard work. I'm not sure why no one told me this before, but it wasn't until second year when I did two things. One, I took the advice of an upperclassman and began to use practice questions from the review books I was using to study for second year coursework. Secondly, I decided I would stop doing any studying by six o'clock every day. Having that limit on the amount of work I could get done and having a new tool to make my study more effective, I managed to turn around my academic life in medical school during second year. Once step one came around, I was almost exclusively using questions to study. I came to conclude that questions were the key. And while they aren't the only element to doing well in medical school and on the board exams, they are a huge part of it. I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast who is just beginning their medical school journey to start incorporating review questions early on in their medical school career. 
step one or level one of the Comlex or US MLE might be two years away for you, but you should be using review questions even to study for your in-house exams at your school. This will train your mind to think more and more like a question writer so that when you do have to face step one, you'll be prepared. I ended up making my goal of getting a, over a 230 on step one. And then third year started, and I took my first shelf exam. I read Kaplan and Sadek's textbook of psychiatry almost cover to cover. I knew my stuff. Then I took the shelf and got the score back, and it was a 20th percentile. I was a little bit disappointed considering the amount of hard work I put in. But with each subsequent clerkship, I slowly and slowly moved away from using narrative textbook type material to study for the shelf exams and relied heavily on review books that had questions at the end of their chapters or question banks themselves. I then took OBGYN. That shelf exam managed to get a 44%. Then surgery, 66%. After this third shelf exam, I'd finally, and to be frank, maybe I'm just a slow learner, but I realized when it came to the shelf exams, using questions was almost exclusively what I needed to do to be successful on the exams. Now, that's not to say you only need question banks to succeed in life as a doctor or as a medical student on the wards, but when it comes to the shelf exams or any standardized exam in medical school, Questions, questions, questions are the key. So once I essentially eliminated anything but questions from my shelf exam preparation, I managed to get an over a 90th percentile on all subsequent shelf exams, neurology, pediatrics, family med, internal medicine, and I studied for less time, and I studied with more efficiency. After third year came, I managed to get a job with case files, and managed to redo the questions for the second edition of the Case Files Family Medicine second edition, and also became an author for the USMLERX question bank. As I studied the principles of good question writing more and more, I came to find out that those principles that the examinations themselves use to write their content could be applied to my study and could be taught to others so that they could increase their study efficiency and scores without actually having to get a job writing questions. That's where Inside the Boards as a concept was initially born. I then began my residency in obstetrics and gynecology, and after taking a break from writing during intern year, I managed to get a job writing questions for ComQuest, the osteopathic question bank, and eventually became their director of content. I've written or edited thousands and thousands of questions. And through doing this, I've learned that I can teach you to study better by focusing on the how of taking a standardized medical exam rather than focusing just on the content. Content is king here, but you can't neglect the process either. Stay tuned to the Inside the Boards podcast and our website, for details on all the products and services we're going to be offering to teach you the Inside the Board's principles. So what are we going to do with this podcast? Well, the plan is to have two kind of episode formats. Number one, 
would be an episode where we discussed and dissected questions on any given number of topics, illustrating inside the board's principles along the way for about 20 to 30 minutes. The other type of episode is going to be interviews with leaders in the board examination space and other thought leaders within medicine. We plan to release episodes every one to two weeks, and you can expect to hear interviews from Kevin Poe from KevinMD.com, from Sahil Mehta from MedSchoolCoach.com, Conrad Fisher of MedQuest, and author of the immensely popular Master the Boards, from Adil Yang, founder of Picmonic, from Pamela Weibel to discuss the effects of test anxiety on physicians and medical students' mental health, and so many more topics besides. During our initial first season, you should stay tuned to each subsequent episode after this one because anybody who leaves a review of us on iTunes or wherever they're listening to this podcast and sends us a screenshot to info at insidetheboards.com will be entered into the episode's contest for a free gift card, subscription, or service related to that week's episode. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes to help us fulfill this mission of making medical students and physicians' lives better by helping them master the content and the process of taking an exam. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing from you and serving you through Inside the Boards. Head over to InsideTheBoards.com to sign up for our newsletter where you can stay up to date on our various podcast offerings, products, and high-yield review of products, and even leave us an audio message with your questions to help you succeed in medical school. You can always follow us on Twitter at BoardsInsider, Facebook.com slash InsideTheBoards, as well as on Instagram and Pinterest. As always, thank you so much for listening and for becoming involved with our community. We look forward to continuing to help you study smarter, not harder. When everything else around you is crumbling and the ceiling meets the floor The doubt inside your head tells you to turn around It's not worth it anymore When you feel you've given all I'd like to thank the folks from Everyone Leaves who provided the music for this podcast. The song is Seasonal Effective. You can check them out at everyoneleavesband.bandcamp.com or facebook.com slash everyoneleavesband. Inside the Boards is in no way affiliated with the United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical Licensing Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, or National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners. 
All exam names and other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during this program is the property of Inside the Boards or the attributed trademark owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity. Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies.